Episode 60, Exercise, Eternal Life. You're listening to the very best podcast in the world on health, wealth, and happiness. Please remember to leave a review and share with all your friends and family. And here is your host, Lars Hilson. And we are concluding another great and successful week of podcasting. Now, uh, welcome to the very best podcast in the world, personal supremacy through health, wealth, and happiness. Uh, yeah, it's been an interesting week and a challenging one. Uh, like I mentioned to you earlier uh, in uh, episode 58, uh, there were significant internet outages. So this week was all about taking the computer once the episode was produced, driving to uh, a spot with uh, good LTE coverage uh, and uploading the episode so that you were able to listen to it on time. And the same is true for today because our provider uh, apparently fucked up so bad that uh, we're going to be without good internet coverage <laughs> over Christmas. First world problem, I know. Uh, but if you are technology reliant and the providers still treat it as a second hand and or not so necessary product, um, then, you know, things kind of go to hell if you can't even listen to the freaking radio anymore, because that's, you know, internet based as well. <clears throat> Sorry. That being said, um, in order for us to have enough time in life to worry about first world problems. I know the transition was kind of fucked up, but uh, it gets to the point of uh, the today's exercise, which is about eternal life. Now, obviously, I've lured you in with, uh, with that topic, while in essence, today's episode is going to be about extending life, uh, because making it eternal is kind of still a thing of the distant future, uh, because, you know, despite the fact that we have people dedicating their lives to longevity, like uh, Aubrey de Grey, someone you should definitely look up, uh, we're far from there yet. However, we're making progress. So, you know, it's not all too much doom and gloom out there. Uh, so, yeah, uh, we're not going to go into the philosophical discussion, whether or not eternal life is something desirable per se, uh, because I think, um, it isn't, uh, there are a lot of things out there, uh, you know, which need to be considered whether or not you want to live forever. Sure. The, uh, thought itself is, I don't know, is it desirable, uh, per se, or is it just a dream that we haven't really thought to an end. Uh, that's, you know, something you can look up your favorite sci-fi movie on the topic about. Uh, what this episode is going to be about, again, is extending your life and making your life longer in better quality. And for that reason, uh, I have 
um, I'm going to ask you to go back to um, the episode about longevity that I have already published, which was mainly uh, or in focus about why the royals, for instance, lead such a long and healthy life. Sure, you know, all the money in the world and being the greatest landowner in the world, uh, particularly the British royal family, uh, is very blessed and gifted um, in that, <laughs> you know, you don't need to worry about all too much shit if you've got an endless supply of money, right? Uh, and you've got enough servants to, you know, take the stress out of your life and so on and so forth. But one of the more or some of the more interesting things that came to light when I did the research on the topic was that, for instance, pretty much all the food they eat is, you know, from their own land and from their own livestock, which they keep for which they keep, you know, another army of servants in the shape of farmers and uh, hunters and whatever not. So it come, goes to say that a lot is about food and the quality of produce that goes into the preparation of food. And then, you know, pretty much you can eat all day, uh, you know, with uh, your afternoon tea and your, you know, your morning cornflakes and, you know, whatever not. If you know about the quality of the food that you take in, then, or if the quality of the food that you take in is good, then, you know, a lot is forgiven in the, uh, uh, in the amount of food that you eat. And that was where I, in that episode, I made the argument that, you know, spending your money on a Ferrari or something else should be later down the line in that I think a lot of quality of life would be increased if you were to invest you know, significant amount, substantial amount of your money into, uh, you know, your own land and having agricultural professionals um, making sure that, you know, organic produce is harvested and that, you know, you then uh, kind of use that to substitute a lot of your diet with, uh, you know, the stuff that comes from your own agricultural not industry, but, uh, you know, companies, corporations, hunters, farmers, whatever. So this episode, um, we're going to go into a bit more detail because you don't have to be a royal to extend your life uh, significantly in that there are in the world so-called blue zones. Uh, two of the most prominent ones we know about are Okinawa in Japan and Sardinia in Italy. Now, why are these regions so special? Uh, it's mainly about mainly by the fact that the population, uh, the average life expectancy is significantly higher than that of a normal civilized city or region or whatever it is that you want to take into perspective in that in uh, particularly these two regions it is nothing uncommon for the inhabitants to become older than a hundred years of age and do so in significant health and constitution and that's something 
very fascinating. So, um, you know, a lot of scientists have set out to find out why that is the case. You know, there were assumptions about the, uh, the air quality and there were assumptions about the region uh, that these places were in and so on and so forth. But something's materialized that didn't necessarily have something to do with environmental influence, but just about how the people lived and engaged and interacted with each other. So in today's episode, we're going to share a few of these findings, which you can definitely include into your life to essentially make a promising reach for a longer and better life. Uh, but, um, you know, also to, uh, yeah, basically, you know, take a lot of stress and negativity out of your life, as I said in yesterday's episode. So what do the blue zones have in common? There's a lot of uh, natural movement that goes on. Uh, there is often a larger purpose in life. Uh, they have a significantly efficient stress management in their life. Uh, they consume alcohol moderately. Uh, all of them or most of them follow the 80% uh, eating rule. Their diet is mainly based on plants. Uh, they live a community-centric life and have tight family ties and a fulfilling social life. Now, we're going to go into each one of these in a bit more detail so that you can, for yourself, take the notes about what you may want to change about your life to, you know, eventually become, uh, for your life to essentially become eternal. Uh, so the natural movement, I think, is a pretty much a no-brainer in that, uh, you know, a lot of us really, and I went to this in a previous episode as well, you know, we buy chopped wood, uh, you know, have it delivered to us on a pallet to then put it into the oven. And in that time that every, that all of that happens, we spend extra money for the gym. That was one of the most bizarre examples I brought forth in that episode. Um, to take it apart, you know, if you were to have the wood delivered, you know, and then took your time to uh, work with saw and axe to make it um, into the right size to throw it into the oven, you wouldn't need the gym, you wouldn't need to spend the extra money. And you would get the exercise that your body need, which is closer related to the, what your body requires than you could probably achieve in a gym. Now, I know, you know, a lot of you fitness coaches are going to bash me for this uh, and say that the uh, exercise routines that you do in a gym are more safe and secure. Yeah, sure. Point taken. But our ancestors, you know, they did quite well chopping wood and making sure that they have enough wood to... Uh, have it warm over the winter, <laughs> you know, so in that uh, it kind of defeats the purpose of um, your argument because yeah, sure, you know, the exercise you get in the gym is more targeted, et cetera, et cetera, but it's, you know, useless. If you take, for instance, a lot of the gym trained people and make them, well, not make them, but, you know, have them uh, um, split wood 
uh, most of them are going to be exhausted after two hours while, you know, their body is in a physically pristine state. Uh, but they are training muscles to look good, not for actually doing labor. And that's a very interesting development, I think, which is taking part societally. Also, you know, we refrain even and take out our kids from using a fucking bicycle to go to school. Which, you know, when I grew up, that was, God, I would never thought I'd say that. But, um, you know, when I grew up, that was normal. <laughs> it was like, um, only in the most dire of weathers uh, would my uh, mother take us to school with a car. You know, it was either walk or take your fucking bike, you know, period. Uh, point taken and, you know, just have to chuckle because on more occasions than not, I would take my bike to school, walk home with friends. And then I was like, fuck, you left your bike at school. Uh, but it was, um, it was a different time, you know? Yeah, sure. We rode our bike to school. Nobody died because they weren't wearing a helmet. Sure. There were less cars, probably, maybe, no idea. Still there were risks, you know, but it's about, that's, you know, where I go into in the, uh, Care Bear Society. Uh, that being said, you know, natural movement is something we need to get back to, as is shown by the longevity and the longer life of the people in, uh, of the inhabitants of the blue zones of the world. Now, the second point is to have a larger purpose in life. Um, and, you know, we could start going down a philosophical route as to what that may mean, but I think you know, we can draw a line under it and say, uh, what's the reason for these people to get out of bed in the morning, right? And if you know Sardinia and the, you know, if not take Google images and Google Sardinia, it's a fucking pristine place, really. Um, it's a very beautiful countryside uh, with a lot of beautiful houses. So that by itself, you know, makes it worthwhile getting up in the morning. You know, and another point to kind of intervene here, um, a lot of deaths that you have among elderly people is during the icky times, you know, during uh, late fall, winter, and very early spring, uh, in that a lot of elderly people die during that time of the year. Because, you know, it's like a, like a doom and gloom time, you know, like in Central Europe, for instance, if you... Uh, you know, you go to work in the dark and you come home in the dark. You know, the sun goes, the sun sets in at, at uh, uh, 4 p.m. at the, uh, um, shortly before Christmas. And, you know, that's an interesting thing, you know, if you've got only, uh, you know, what, uh, less than six, well, uh, seven, eight hours of, of uh, sunlight during the day, if at all. You know, if you have the sun, first of all, because, you know, a lot of times it's cloudy, etc. There's not a lot to look forward to. And so I can imagine a lot of the old folks saying, okay, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to step out. There's nothing really to look forward to. So, you know, you can relate in a funny sense, but that's actually a scientific fact. So, you know, with Sardinia being closer to the, it just, you know, it's the beauty of the environment, the, the serenity that you have in the village of the, the relationships you have with the people you, uh, you live with, et cetera. And another very interesting point to bring forth in, in the uh, context to a, a larger purpose in life is just for a lot of people who run mom and pop operations, 
they won't retire. You know, the region we live in here, uh, we've got several of these and the elderly folks are still, you know, despite the fact that they've given the, uh, uh, the rule of the company over to their offspring, um, you know, they're still, they, they still, and probably until the day that they die, will have the hand under the skirt of the company in some way, shape or form. You know, because they have a vested interest, they've built something up, they've established something, they maintain close relationships with the community. And therefore, you know, that's their fucking reason to get up in the morning. And until, you know, come the morning when they're dead and can't get up anymore, they will have some kind of influence. And that is their reason for life. And that's the larger purpose in life. So it's about, you know, finding that for yourself and actually asking yourself the core fundamental fucking question why do I get up in the morning? Period. And that's something to really waste a lot of energy on because that's, you know, like a paramount question of life. You know, what's my reason? That being said, uh, and going into stress management, which is the next thing that these people are very good at. And stress management is a lot about perception. First of all, what do you perceive as stress? <laughs> you know, it's a very important question to answer. And, you know, number two in that context, the follow-up question is why the fuck do you perceive it as stress? You know, is it so negative? Is your life so negative? Is your life so stressed out? You know, do you get up in the morning and say, God, I'm, you know, I'm, I've, for me, I never understood that. It's it's like this um, diva behavior that you're so stressed out and you've got a burnout syndrome and there's just so much and you're the boss of your life. You know, yeah, sure. You, you know, your your boss at the company is going to, uh, is going to tear open your ass if you don't deliver on time. Totally get that, you know, but you can quit and you can look for another job, you know, if that is too much for you. Uh, and that was actually something where, you know, when I had my high flying times, uh, a lot of people were like, how do you bear the stress? And I was like, well, it's not stress. It's work. It's fun. It's challenging. It's a lifestyle that I can do you know, for a certain amount of time in my life when I'm young, you know, because then if I, you know, kick back the chair in my mid thirties, early forties, I'm good, you know, and I don't need to be stressed out anymore or waste any thought toward, you know, do I need to stress myself? Plus, you know, you have a lot of social interactions, which are deemed as stress but you can cut those out. You know, a lot is about saying, I don't give a fuck. And that's something where I think next week I'm going to really do a dedicated episode about, because that would kind of ass rape the time that we have in today's episode. So, you know, reducing stress in that you honestly admit to yourself that a lot of the experiences that you have throughout the day aren't stress. You know, you can take them into a positive mindset, you know, listen to episode 59, yesterday's episode about the negativi ne negativity thing and kind of project that onto this episode. Now, moderate alcohol consumption, I think, goes without saying. Um, in Sardinia, particularly, you know, you have a lot of people who drink wine. 
period. And you always, and or not always, but a lot of time you will see them at least for dinner and or for lunch and or whatever, you will see a glass of wine in their hand. And that's the point. You know, you have good local regional wine from organic vineyards and they drink a glass, maybe two per day. You know, a lot of us get caught up when we go to a restaurant with two people, you buy a bottle of wine, that's almost half a liter per person. And the question is, you know, if for one meal, is that healthy? And I don't know, you know, I'm not an expert uh, on alcohol consumption. I've consumed, you know, significant amounts of alcohol to a degree where I could drink a bottle of whiskey and, you know, technically still drive a car home. I never did. Uh, I went into that in another episode, but you know, it's an interesting point to be taken. And then I kind of, I didn't quit it entirely, but I, uh, went very moderate on the alcohol and it doesn't go to say that drugs are bad, you know, just saying, uh, at least weed. (laughs) So, you know, that being said, let's move on to the 80% eating rule. And that says, uh, nothing more than if you're 80% full, stop eating because, you know, there's a moment that the food needs to get to your actual digestive tract and to be reported as additional food that goes in there. So, you know, eat slowly and eat consciously and eat until the point where you're about 80% full. And then you're going to notice that 20 minutes, half an hour later, you're going to be entirely full and then enjoy uh, a dessert or something afterwards, a small one, and then you're good to go. That's one of the other revelations that all of these people had in common. And while we're at eating, uh, the diet of most of the groups in the blue zones are dominantly plant-based. So a majority of what these people consume are vegetarian meat if it gets into the diet is not very rare but it's treated as something very special as it should be you know responsibly an animal has died for you to eat it uh, and that you know should be taken with a certain amount of awareness uh, by all of us you know free of anything so uh, you know, changing a lot to the, to your plant-based diet. Plus, you know, it's cheaper <laughs> to be perfectly blunt and you can be pretty sure about its upbringing that it never received an antibiotic shot or, uh, you know, whatever it is at the end of the day that will be, um, in, in, in well, entangled in the meat fibers for, ever basically and you being able to or you consuming it later on with the meat that you consume a community centric life is that where you don't live in the city in a building with 100 apartments and have no fucking clue who your neighbors are you know this request for anonymity that we take granted for ourselves and you know it's looking after each other helping each other out and getting rid of this entire concept of anonymity. Sure, you know, you're going to have neighbors who are idiots. And, you know, who am I to say? You know, it's, you move away from everything and you still have neighbors and some of them are still, you know, 
weird, but uh, you have to get along and you should, because this interaction with those people is much closer than it is through the telephone and with, uh, you know, friends overseas, etc. The fact by it's the, the fact itself that you're, you know, in prox in physical proximity to each other, uh, makes a relationship through the exchange of, you know, all of the, uh, hormones and scents and everything you're giving out and receiving makes the engagement ever more interesting and prominent. Uh, than it ever could because we don't have a smell phone yet, you know, and oh, for a lot of people, you don't want that, right? But goes to say that um, the community, the local community is, and engaging with it is more rewarding than it is, you know, engaging with people over the phone and, you know, just catching up and having short relationships, etc. cetera. Uh, this coincides with tight family ties and kind of, coexists in the sphere of having a larger purpose in that, you know, it's about engaging with your offspring and engaging with their offspring. So with your grandkids and your, you know, if you're old enough with your great grandkids, uh, you know, is teaching them all the stuff and experience that you have gained over the course of your life. And, you know, I'm not talking about math or uh, shit like that you learn in the school, but actually very important uh, lessons in life that, you know, you can prevent your kids, your, your, uh, grandkids and your great grandkids from having to go through is because you've experienced them. You know, it's shit. They're still going to do it, you know, but after the third time when grandma and grandpa have said that that's a bad idea, they're going to start to listen because grandma and grandpa are coincidentally always right about that. That was a case that, you know, I made with, uh, bitter tears. Um, throughout my life, uh, I, you know, mentioned in one episode that I was very close with my grandmother and a lot of shit that she told me, uh, was, you know, t which I qualified as shit or, uh, categorized as shit, you know, turned out to be very, very, very true. Uh, I learned that later in life a lot of times, but some of the stuff she mentioned, you know, pretty much all of it panned out quite, uh, quite exactly. And, you know, the tight family ties go to say that the family should be in close proximity or, you know, if it's possible, of course, in today's world, it's more difficult than anything. Uh, but it also goes to mention the tight family ties on an emotional level, right? You have to be close to each other. Uh, you have to be, um, emotionally close. Well, you don't have to be, but you should be. <laughs> Because, you know, there's just some people you just can't get along with because their life is just entirely different. But, you know, it goes to say in a, in a larger sense, you should be emotionally close to your folks and, you know, kind of get along with them and help each other out. You know, f the bloodlines are, you know, something insanely important that a lot of us kind of tend to neglect. And, you know, all of this, these, uh, aforementioned two topics kind of drawn a line under it, go to outline the third that, you know, a fulfilling social life is something very important as well. And something which is, you know, rather difficult in the Rona times, you could see that the more Southern countries like France, Spain, etc., were more significantly hit by the lockdowns because their street cafes were closed and 
you know, for a lot of them, that's a meaningful place of interaction, just meeting up with friends in real life, uh, you know, talking shit or exchanging ideas or meeting for business or, you know, whatever it is. And that's in these countries, the more south you go, the social interaction, probably because the weather permits it more than in the Scandinavian and, and more northern countries, is, uh, you know, the personal interaction, like I said earlier, is an insanely important part of the life in the blue zones. Now, I've told you about natural movement, about a larger purpose in life, about stress management, you know, about moderate alcohol consumption, um, about the 80% eating rule and a dominantly plant-based diet. Um, then we had the three factors of uh, community and social and family and, you know, that bit. So it was a lot of stuff to take in. And some of it, if not a lot of it, is very difficult to fulfill. I'm going to be frank with you. Um, because, you know, you need the people to play along and you need to set out to make them understand that these things are important, not only for you, but it can enrich their lives and make and lengthen their lives as well. And setting out on this mission is difficult. I think, well, not setting out on the mission, that's not difficult, but conveying the message in a way that uh, makes it interesting enough for them to join you in pursuing that endeavor is going to be hard. I know, you know, because even for me trying to convey that to people around me was difficult. Some of them are going to run away because they're going to think of you as some kind of ESO terrorist or, you know, some kind of loony nutcase. It's about what you find important in your life. Um, you know, and if there are some people that jump ship, let them, let them jump ship. You know, it's a, uh, it's a very interesting, um, aspect, uh, of this episode, um, a realization and, you know, in that sense, let me know how it worked out for you. Let me know if you have further ideas, feedback, comments, criticism to, the very best podcast in the world at gmail.com. And uh, I'd love to hear your, uh, your feedback also on the other episodes, as always, you know, try to respond to all feedback that comes in. And in that sense, I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Um, use the advice as you wish, you know, it's up to you share it uh, most importantly, if you, you know, want to, if you want to go down the road and there are people who are not convinced, you know, perhaps share this, uh, podcast episode with them and have them listen to it. Perhaps they will reflect differently if a third person tells them. And until that, I wish you a lot of fun over this weekend, practicing what I mentioned in this episode. And I hope and wish to hear you back on Monday when we're going to go into something totally new and interesting. In that sense, stay tuned. Have a nice weekend, training, thinking, contemplating, and we'll be back next week with episode 61. Peace out.